If you're going to heal from childhood trauma, and if you're ever going to be happy and connected and do work you love, you're going to have to get out of brain fog. This is an almost universal feature for people who grew up with abuse and neglect. That feeling of fuzzy headedness where you can't totally hold a thought or focus, or maybe your memory isn't working properly, or you're feeling sleepy and out of it, or it's almost like you there's a membrane between you and the world. Yeah, that is a PTSD thing, it's common. And it may not seem like it, but really it is one of the worst symptoms of complex PTSD. It's almost never talked about. If you have it, you know how miserable it is. It's like a hangover that goes on for years and it just makes it so hard to move forward with your life or to learn new skills or get a job or be present with a friend or a kid who needs you. And it's such a cuddly name, brain fog, right? But really, brain fog is a suppression of your being on every level. It's cognitive, it's in your thinking, it's physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual. It's a kind of deadness. And when it's happening, it's not just that you don't get ahead in your life. It's like you're not really living your life. And that's the worst feeling when you feel like your days are just slipping by and you didn't get to be in them. Now, if you want your brain back, I can help you with that. I'm Anna Runkle, also known as the Crappy Childhood Fairy, and I teach people how to heal common symptoms of childhood PTSD and CPTSD. That's the kind that comes from chronic exposure to intense stress. And I'm thinking about brain fog today because, hallelujah, I'm feeling so much less of it than I ever have. I'm taping this video in the days between Christmas and New Year's, and this would normally be a very foggy week for me, you know, tired, thinking about New Year's resolutions and then eating the rest of the Christmas cookies. Do you ever have times like that? You think, oh, I'll change starting January 1st, right? Or wait, maybe not the first, but maybe the first Monday after the new year. I do that. I bargain with time and then the day never comes. I've done it so many times, but you know what I did this time? I made my big change before Christmas. I made it back on December 4th. I was sick of neglecting my health. I couldn't stand the thought of waiting any longer, just, you know, thinking, oh, I'm busy and, you know, so much crappy childhood, very stuff to do or waiting for life to return to normal or saying I have to finish my next course or, oh, it's just COVID wait, but it's not. It's been going on a lot longer than that. And I made a decision just to get the decision over with and get back on the way of eating that makes me feel good and that makes me feel clear-headed and excited about each day. And it's a lovely way of eating. It's, it's easy. And I found it to be super helpful for CPTSD symptoms. And I'll tell you more about that in a sec. But here's what I'm going to talk about for lifting that brain fog. And it's three main areas where you need to focus. It's what you're eating, it's what you're neglecting, and it's what you haven't healed yet. Okay? So let's go through them. Let's start with what you're eating. Now, food is not the only reason people get brain fog, but I think for most people with CPTSD, it's a major reason. And thanks to ACEs research, we now know a little more about why a history of trauma is so closely correlated with things like obesity, diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, cancer. Those are all things related to food and weight. And for whatever reason, those of us who had childhood trauma have a much higher incidence of these problems than the general population. But here's something else. People who had childhood trauma have a relatively high incidence 
of sensitivity to certain foods, namely sugary, floury, high carbohydrate foods. Now, for a lot of us, we have a different physiological relationship with that kind of food, bread, you know, pastries, crackers, ice cream, candy, and especially chocolate. I love chocolate. Now, while some people can see a plate of cookies on the table or chocolate and forget all about it, those of us with a high susceptibility to these foods get, let's say, very, very focused on those cookies and chocolate. Now, I don't know about you, but when I eat a piece of chocolate, I'm going to be very distracted by the fact that there's still more on the plate, pretty much until I've eaten it all or until someone takes it away. And even then I'll be thinking, well, where'd they put it and can I find it later? So when I eat foods with flour and sugar, it sets off this high, more hunger, a craving for it, for it, even if I just ate a full meal. It's, it makes no sense. It's not healthy for my body. And I learned early on when I was a kid that most people don't have that. I would go to kids' houses, you know, and they'd have like a jar of M&Ms on the kitchen table. And, and I would just be like, you know, okay, fine, we're watching TV, but are you going to break out the M&Ms? Like, when are we going to have the M&Ms? And I'd learn, like, don't say anything, just wait. But it would be like preoccupying me right? When are we going to get those? So three or four years ago, flash forward, somebody sent me this food quiz and it ended up starting a change in me that totally changed my life. I'm going to put a link to the quiz in the description section below, because if you relate to what I'm saying about food, craving sugar and flour foods, I think you're going to want to take this quiz. Now, this woman, Susan Pierce Thompson, who in her youth had been an alcoholic and drug addict, got clean and sober at age, I don't know, 20 or something, and then went on to gain over 100 pounds. And she then went on to get her PhD in neuroscience, and she set out to find out why are some of us so sensitive to carbohydrates. And one of the first things she did was create this scoring system to measure how much does this carb thing happen to you? And she calls it the susceptibility score. And there are 10 points possible. Some people are a four, some people are a one. They're just like really normal. I'm a nine. Like I really have a hard time stopping once I start eating sweets or floury stuff. And she says that when researchers have studied rats with this characteristic of carb sensitivity, the rats are sometimes born with it. And two carb sensitive parent rats will have offspring that are who are also carb sensitive or one carb sensitive parent, one, one normal parent. They'll have some carb sensitive offspring, some not. But here's the part that pricked my ears up. When a rat is born with a normal relationship to carbs, they will often convert to carb sensitivity as a result of exposure to trauma. So trauma can change the way our bodies respond to carbohydrates. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And when I took this quiz and saw what I had basically always known, that I have this out of control relationship with carbs, but that I thought was because I was just a bad and lazy person and not a good dieter, right? Well, something clicked. So I learned from Susan's program how to heal that sensitivity. And heads up, it involves not eating sugar and flour at all, which I thought would be impossible. And it made me very sad. But after the first couple of weeks, it just started to, it was no big deal. It just started to feel easy and fine, really. And the craving and the hunger just calmed way down. And very quickly, like weight starts to come off. So that's rewarding, like things fit again. And the big fringe benefit is my brain fog is gone. So 
I had a wildly successful run with this program back in 2017. I lost 40 pounds. And then out of a last shred of hope that once I lost that weight, I could go back to eating whatever I wanted, I tried it. And you can guess what happened. I gradually gained it back, especially this last year, 2020. And as the weight came back, so did that old feeling of being drained every afternoon and evening and being kind of demoralized and feeling foggy in my thinking and waking up in the middle of the night, not able to go back to sleep. And I didn't really think that I had brain fog, but now that I'm clear, it's like, wow. So yeah, I started again. And one thing I really noticed this time, and this is the thing I really wanted to tell you about, is that in my experience, this way of eating really helps calm brain dysregulation and it keeps my spirits upbeat. And, you know, being calm and upbeat, that's like everything to me. And even if I never lost weight doing this, I'd say it's well worth it. I've got so much I want to do in my life and so many crappy childhood fairy projects. And also there were so many lost years from CBTSD in the past. So now I'm free and I'm going for it. So I almost never endorse anything, but this is one of the handful of things along with the writing and meditation techniques that I teach that has genuinely moved my healing forward. So yeah, the link where you can take that food susceptibility quiz is down below in the description section. I'll be sure to put it there. And once you put in your email for that, you'll get more info on the program and how you can learn how to eat that way. So brain fog, that is the one big driver of what causes it and how to heal it. It's what you're eating. Now, maybe you have that issue food, maybe you don't, but the second thing to look at if you want to get out of the fog is what you're neglecting, neglecting. And yes, of course, I'm talking about proper sleep, exercise, drinking enough water, and those commonly understood sources of well-being. Neglecting those will definitely rob you of your ability to focus and be alert. But I want to talk about a deeper level of functioning that we sometimes neglect and that can cause a mental dullness or vagueness. It's fog. And that's when you neglect to be real and present and decisive about your life, right? You didn't think I was going here, did you? But one cause of brain fog can be traced to a huge buildup of unmade decisions in your life. They clutter up your mind. It's like they're covering a table. They, they fog you over. Fog builds up with decisions and actions that aren't moving along in the proper rhythm because that's what life is, right? You act, you decide, you rest, and instead they're getting stuck. Things you don't really like, but you won't let go of. Or things you like to do, but you won't commit to them. All those options, it's just cluttering up your mind. They're sucking a little bit of your energy every day. They're using up a little bit of your bandwidth. And you know what happens when there's not enough bandwidth? You freeze up. You fog over. It's too much information. Now, struggling with decisions is a huge problem for people with CPTSD. It can, it can be really dysregulating, for one thing. Do you have that? You can get really jammed up with self-doubt and mistakes you maybe made in the past, and it seems too treacherous to actually decide things. But deciding things is a great way to clear the path in front of you and to start having things, to start accomplishing things, and just clearing your mind. Now, if you can't yet decide big things, start with the little things. And then take at least one small action on your decision right away. Try it. See what happens to your sense of mental clarity and energy when you make a decision and then act on it, right? Just see what that feels like. Okay, so for causes of brain fog, we talked about carb sensitivity, we talked about decision overload, 
The third thing is just stuff you haven't healed yet. It's just stuff you haven't healed. Complex PTSD is at its root, a brain injury. And sometimes I think our brains heal by putting themselves in something like an induced coma. And I don't mean literally, it's not a coma, but we just kind of check out sometimes because there's just too much going on in there. Like the entire bandwidth is consumed by just coping. And that's okay. You can, you can have a little fog every now and then. It can be healing. And then after a time when the fog starts getting depressing, then you need a little time of action. You move forward. So to help get out of that unpleasant, stuck kind of brain fog that's holding you back, the best thing you can do is to keep working on your healing. Just work on calming your triggers, getting more mastery over your tendency to get dysregulated, and then learn to re-regulate. And for those of you who are new to this idea of learning to re-regulate, I'll put information down below in the description section. There's gonna be a whole bunch of goodies for you down there. So eating to heal carb sensitivity, making decisions to heal overload, and continuing efforts to keep healing the general trauma that keeps knocking out your full presence and awareness. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.